Welcome to Making Chips. We believe that manufacturing is challenging, but if you are connected to a community of leaders, you can elevate your skills, solve your problems, and grow your business. I'm your host, Jason Zenger, and I'm joined by my co-host and self-proclaimed LinkedIn expert, Jim Carr. Hey, thank you for that endorsement. It wasn't so much of an endorsement as it was a lesson in sarcasm. Yes, it was a lesson in sarcasm for sure, but I'll take that as an endorsement and hopefully it's going to help the algorithms on my LinkedIn profile You're you're pretty good. That's what we're going to be talking about today. I'm moving from beginner to intermediate, I guess you would say. Yes. And I guess Wayne, we have him back in the show and he's going to move you from intermediate to advanced and expert. Yeah, I would have to say I feel confident in my ability in LinkedIn. But let me tell you, there's a lot I learned from this last episode, just one little piece that's going to significantly change the way that I engage on LinkedIn. So are are you skiing the LinkedIn black diamonds or the LinkedIn double black diamonds, Jim? Oh, right now I'm a solid blue right now. You're a solid blue? I'm a solid blue. Okay. But I definitely want to get to the black diamond for sure. Single. We'll go single first. Like a double blue? Yeah. Double double blue sounds good to me. You you just got back from skiing, didn't you? I did get back from skiing, as a matter of fact. No, I'm glad you didn't break anything. No, I know. I'm not a young man anymore. And I went with my 26-year-old son and just had like a great father-son weekend. And Did and you have those little like ropes connecting the tips of your skis together? I did not have that. No, no. But I will be honest with you, 80% of the time I skied green runs because I didn't want to get hurt. Yeah, it would be bad. I, it I, would be bad. I stopped snowboarding when I got so advanced that I broke my shoulder and my leg and I was like, I'm done here. Yeah. So tell me something good that's going on at Zenger Black. There's got to yeah, be something Yeah, we've got good. a lot of great things going on. I think I can say that we are just about at the tail end of finalizing our succession planning at Zenger. So I'm very excited about that. I'm happy for my dad that he's going to be on the road to doing things outside of the business world and he can do his own thing. He just got back from Cuba, which I, I don't understand why he wanted to go there, but he said it was amazing. Everybody I hear that could. Yeah, there, yeah, so exactly. Awesome. I just yeah. I get some pictures and kind of understand what it's all about. But yeah, I'm, I'm excited about that. My wife and I, we've got some plans for the future of Zenger in black and we're going to be working with making chips marketing to take our marketing to the next level. So I'm, I'm excited about all these new things going on in our business. My wife has really taken a hold of her position. She's in charge of our people and our human resources and, and we really need some help there. So she's grabbed a hold of that part of the business. So what about you? What's going on at Car Machine Tool? 2019 looks like it's going to be a big year for us. We've been promised a lot of orders and it will significantly move us forward with regards to sales this year. We'll wait and see, but and I don't want to get overzealous and say it's going to be 100% better, but we're going to be very busy in 2019. Well, I, I could tell you. Yeah. We're ramping up right now and we're working behind the scenes in advance of all these new projects that are going to be coming in the pipeline. So it's, it, it's exciting. And I think it's all about good communication and collaboration with your team and getting them on board and telling them where are we four to six to eight weeks out, how we're doing. It's just that, that authentic communication between everybody in the company. Well, I can tell you from experience, when your team expands, there's a lot of difficulties in it. It used to be a situation at Zenger's where I could see every single person on a daily basis and say hi to them, ask them how they're doing. And now as we've expanded and doubled and tripled in size, it's like I'm not able to do the things that I used to be able to do in the past. And I'm really struggling with some of those communications and the growth and, and stuff like that. So yeah, it's, I, I mean, would imagine, I would imagine. They're good That's problems, but they're, they're problems nonetheless. It's just different. It's just, yeah, it's yeah. Just the, the, 
your business is different. I used to joke around. We've got the number one, I would say, tool store in the country. And my dad was really like the forerunner of, of that and just the stories he used to tell me. But he used to look to his left and look to his right and people would be standing in line to get tools and every employee was right there. Well, now we've got people for 50, 100 square miles. We've got vending machines all over the place and things have gotten complicated. Yeah, I'm You sure. know, complicated. Sure. So it's hard. But, well, it's, you know, you're going to have your West business. Coast location and then you'll see we'll how see. things can get complicated in the future. We'll see how that goes. Don't hold your breath, though. But anyway, I'm glad that we're going to have Wayne Breitbarth back in the studio because I've got a lot of advanced questions for him on the LinkedIn platform. I think I'm above average, but maybe he's going to tell me something different when we interview him. But before we get on to that, Nick is here with some manufacturing news this week. Yeah, Nick, let's what go do to we our, got? our weatherman, Nick Golner, Mr. NG. What's up, guys? Hey. You know, we've been talking a lot about how making chips is evolving. We're more we than are. just a podcast. And we actually publish four pieces of content every week. So there's the podcast. There's an original article that we write. There's a contributed article from another manufacturing a leader. contributor. Yeah, we call it the chip-in program. And then we mention the news every week. But we're actually curating that content, putting it on our site, giving our take on it. And those are the four giving pieces. Giving our spin. Yeah, well, absolutely. Like we're going to articulate this week's right now amongst the three of what us. What do we think about that, Nick? Right, exactly. So what are those, Nick? This week, I actually wrote an article about the importance of link building for manufacturing leaders. So I'm not talking about LinkedIn. I'm talking about building links to your website and why that's so important. We've got a Is great, that like clustering? Kind well, clusters can help you build links. Okay. But we'll have to talk about that on a different I, I look forward to it. Along those same lines, Jonathan Alonzo from CNCMachines.net wrote a great article about SEO marketing for machine shops. So he contributed as part of the chip in program. And the news this week is from Industry Week. And it's what makes a great manufacturing leader. Sounds awesome. You know, that's what, what are the highlights. About, right? That's who's listening to this show right now. So here are the 10 points. A great manufacturing leader builds trust, has high expectations for their people, and gives them the tools to meet those expectations, inspires passion, has a strong entrepreneurial spirit, is a change agent, tells it like it is, encourages cross-functional teams, gets millennials and creates culture around them, sees the competitive advantage in technology, and is still an old-school, big-picture person. Wow. That was really powerful. I felt that as you were saying those bullet points because I feel as though I'm really trying, and I have not, to be honest, I have not read the article yet, but I feel as all of those bullet points that you said are exactly what I'm trying to implement a car machine and tool, and I'm doing a pretty good job at that. So that's great. Let's let's break it down just a little bit. Yeah, Which, I feel like I can also resonate with a lot of those. I, I'm not going to say that I'm doing them the best, but one of the things that I get caught up in is just the day-to-day tasks always keep me away from doing the things that I need to do in Touché order to on that, you know, yes. be the best leader that I possibly could do. And I need to figure out how to delegate and elevate myself above those you tasks. Can, you can only do the do best it. you can do, Jason. So right. don't beat yourself well, up I think about that comes it. down to having high expectations for others. You want to be Absolutely. in that visionary seat yep. that you talk about, you have to have high expectations for the people under you. Yep. Yep. Well, I think it's important to empower your team with tools and technologies and innovations so they can make their job better. They can elevate themselves to the next level. That one really resonated with me. What was the last one, the old school thing? Yeah, is still an old school, big picture person. Yes. Yeah, so At the end of I, the day, we have to work hard. At the end of the day, nothing's for nothing, right? It's not just going to come to you automatically. 
hopefully our parents, and I think that all of us agree that our parents gave us the skills of work hard, play hard. Nothing comes easy, right? If you want to be successful in life, you're going to have to put in the time and the effort to be successful. And at the end of the day, 10, 20, 30, 50 years from now, it's going to be that same process. We're going to have to still work hard if we want to be successful. Nothing is just going to just fall into our laps unless you're extremely lucky and you happen to have a Hilton behind your name or whatever the case may be. Well, I think for me, the thing that I, I look at most is how do I be God-honoring in my in my leadership? And, and that's one of the things that I'm going to start being more focused on this year. And I think a part of that is going to be saying, okay, how do I empower the people on my team and how do I communicate and lead them well because I can't do it all. And I think for me to say that I can do it all is really going to propose a problem for me in the future. You have to balance having high expectations for others and inspiring passion at the same time. So it doesn't feel always like they're not meeting the expectations, but you're inspiring them to raise the bar. Right. One of the things that I struggle with is I feel like I've grown the company too quickly and I've lost that, control of a lot that. of things. And I think I need to kind of slow things down and say, okay, time to kind of refresh and really look at where we need to be three years from now and, and try to catch up. Well, let's get before into the episode. On, no, before we go on, okay. I, there's one more bullet that I want to talk about because I really don't understand what it means. And number five is, is a change agent. How do you interpret what that bullet point is? We always talk about like the villain of our brand and it's it's that old school, overly old school, stodgy. Like we've always this is done always it. the way we've exactly. done it. We've always done it this way. Why should we change? Right. Why uh, do we want to get an ERP system when the, it was great when we just had it all on paper? And yeah, we, 20 years we ago, would have been, why should I get a CNC machine? Right, you know, it's right, like, yeah. why should I get on LinkedIn? Right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah perfect. Yeah. Exactly. So, yeah. yeah. Why should I be involved in social media? Absolutely. I mean, you can't improve unless you're changing. So, so that's what that bullet point means is extract that well, or being a, peel being a, away this Being stodgy. a change agent means that you're leading the company to whatever that vision that you have and you're doing it in a way that is going to encourage the people that are on your team to make the necessary changes and one of those necessary changes might be to find them a job somewhere else if they don't want to be a part of that change. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Alright, so we have again, we're lucky and privileged to have Wayne Breitbart stay with us from that last episode we just did because I have so many higher level questions about LinkedIn that I believe that are going to help me and the metalworking nation that are out listening to this show right now just take their LinkedIn skill set and just elevate it to a new level because like on the last episode we did, I had no idea about that velocity. I thought I knew it all about waiting 24 Jimmy, 36. Jimmy, you think you know everything about know, everything. I'm willing to have open ears and readjust the way I do things. I learned something. So, so again, Jim, I think that you are a little bit social media obsessed. I'm just being frank with I'm you. I'm not obsessed. I think you're a little bit obsessed. Okay, and you. I'm like almost anti-obsessed. And I think we could use a balance for both of us. And I think if last episode was what to do for the social media, for when you're not social media obsessed, this is for if you want to go beyond your obsession and really make it real for your business okay. and, and take it to the next level. Would you introduce Wayne, please? He's sitting there waiting you know for you to introduce him. How about him? instead of introducing Wayne, we ask him how he got into being a LinkedIn consultant because I think if you want to learn more about Wayne and what his credentials are, you can go back to the last episode. But Wayne, tell us your story. Everybody wants to tell their story, how they got into manufacturing, how they got into their careers. Tell us yours. So the short version, because I know we got better things to cover than my story. The short version is this. 
10 years ago as a 50-year-old owner of an office furniture dealership in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, in the middle of the recession where our business dropped from $16 million to $8 million, and I'm the accounting guy in the place, we were in panic. Yeah, where's the numbers? Yeah, we were in panic mode. I'm the bean counter, a lot less beans to count, right? <laughs> well, I was over in Michigan at Hayworth, which was the manufacturer we sold, and in a hotel room in March... Holland, Michigan in March, not much to do out there other than sit in your hotel room in between meetings. Well, I thought, I'm going to try LinkedIn. A friend of mine had been pushing me, a great Bible study buddy of mine, pushed me in the chest every Sunday. You got to be on LinkedIn, man. Business is bad. Why don't you try it? And I said, I'm not doing social media. Please leave me alone. Now you sound like me, Wayne. Right? And he, But he pushed. He pushed and pushed like a good friend would, right? And he said, listen. Then one Sunday, he said, I'm not doing this. I'm not going to bother you anymore because I see it annoys you. I said, thank you. And he said, but I'm going to leave you with this parting comment. You're an old curmudgeon. That's what he said. You're an old curmudgeon. I said, oh, come on. I'm only 50. What are you talking about? You're 54, blah, blah, blah. And he said, I don't mean age. I mean, you don't want to do anything different. You hope that you're showing up by work tomorrow. Wayne Breitbart's back and we're going to do better. So then I'm sitting in his hotel room the week after he get, hits me with that one. And I said, I'm going to try LinkedIn in the privacy of this hotel room because nobody's watching. And I'm pretty sure it'll be just as dumb as Wayne Breitbart ever thought. And it was 15 minutes in that hotel experiment that I go, oh my gosh, he was so right. You had an aha moment. That's what I had. I had my aha moment. And it was when I saw LinkedIn wasn't a social media site as much as it was this database of people, especially showing you who your friends already know. And I thought, oh my gosh, this got so much power for those of us that have been in business a long time because we got beautiful relationships and tons of them. Wayne, I love how you're making that transition with the brand of LinkedIn and you're saying it's not a social media site. And we talked about that a lot in the last episode and I'm really looking forward to this conversation as to how we can amp up LinkedIn for our business and our careers. Yes, so a long story short on the history thing is just then I came back, studied it like a good accounting guy would, read a bunch of books, decided that I knew what I was doing a little bit, and I started teaching LinkedIn all over Milwaukee free just to get exposure to my business, and we'd have these events in my office. And at the end of that one year of training, catch this, I did 105 free LinkedIn events. Wow, wow. On top of my day job because I was having fun, truth be told. And I was bringing a lot of people and they know who our company was and they knew, they knew what we did then finally. Now that didn't move the needle much during the recession, but as the recession got better, people knew who our company was because, oh, you're the LinkedIn furniture guy. Yeah, that's me. My wife decided we should- That must've been really empowering though. The fact that I didn't, have this plan to do this, right? It's just right. sort of, I like to call it one of the craziest God things ever is that sometimes when you listen and you roll with it, you get places. And my wife wanted to write this book. She thought it was a good idea. She could see I was having fun. The book takes off on Amazon, jumps up to the number one LinkedIn book in like six weeks. I go, what? A bean counter from the Midwest, 50-year-old guy is going to teach you social media? That doesn't jump off the shelves at Barnes & Noble. Are you kidding, right? You're but saying you did. weren't the poster child of social media? <laughs> it was not, right? But it took off, and I go, something's up here. So a year later, I sat down with my partner and said, Tim, I'm having too much fun. Maybe this business is probably only big enough for one person anywhere because we were going through two recessions, 02 and 07. Mm -hmm. And he was the furniture guy who brought me in, his buddy, CPA guy. And I said, if I have a way to get out of here, you're going to have a lovely company all by yourself. And I'm going to go have a little more fun than even just counting the beans at a furniture dealership. And we worked on a plan for me to have several years of sort of soft launch. It worked out beautiful and we're still great friends and I love what he's doing in the marketplace and we still care about each other's kids and stuff like that. And and now I'm doing what I like to do full time. So yeah. Does he have a great LinkedIn profile? 
terrible. (laughs) (laughs) Terrible. He still doesn't believe in what I do. So one of the things that you brought up is like, you're not the poster child for social media. Our previous guest, my uncle, he and I travel all over the U.S. selling machines and machine tools and machine tool components. And he's always positioning me as like, oh, he's this young kid who's on the computers and he's all about the Instagram and the LinkedIn. And I think maybe coming from you, Alvin would listen a little bit more when it comes to LinkedIn stuff. Nick, you're so right. What, I speak at a lot of Vistage groups. You might know Vistages I do. all over the I country. Do. And I love speaking to business owners because I can get them. They close the door and go, give me the real scoop behind this crazy thing. I don't want to hear it from a guy Nick's age, right? They'll believe me. Right. And you're credible. Be, I'm credible because yep. I, because when I tell the story, like, I didn't want to do it. Trust me. And maybe you won't have to either, but here's what it could do for you. Then they go, okay. Now I got it. And so you're, you're right. They want to hear from somebody else who's just not enthralled by the shiny new object, but who says, hey, I beat this thing pretty hard before I realized how I could drive it. And Wayne, it's the same thing Jason and I went through. More importantly, with making chips in this podcast, we had no idea where it would take us, but we took a chance. We worked really hard. We were, I feel that we're authentic and it's just brought us to a whole other level. So I totally get that. It's very relatable, your journey with LinkedIn and our journey in podcast. For sure. I, I love the story. It's yeah. wonderful. But anyway, so many questions from our last episode that have morphed over into this week's. I kind of want to just go through some rapid fire questions and keep them short. The answer's short because there's a lot. I've got 20 bullet points here. So again, let's go through this more is more thing because I always accept connections from 90% of the people that request the connection with me. I particularly do not accept a connection outside of our country unless that person, I can preview their profile and they are manufacturing centric. Good advice or bad advice? Good advice. Thank you. Okay. Why pay for a premium account? What are the advantages in paying 80 bucks a month for that premium? Because my sales manager, John, has convinced me that LinkedIn is getting a lot more gated on the information that they're letting you have for free. And if you pay that 80 bucks a month or whatever the case, it is $79.99, you can legitimately get, and your search tools are a lot more profound. Is that right? That's true. Can we talk a little bit about this premium account and the benefits that we can gain from it? Sure. The general answer to the question why is if you run into what I call the free wall, so many times that your forehead's starting to get a little flat, boom, boom, boom then you know maybe it's time to pay. If you're not getting a flat forehead, then probably you're paying for something you're not using. And so I usually take people through that scenario. Now, what are the best features you get on premium? The best features Please on premium answer that question. Are, are number one, if who's viewed your profile is an important tool, and it usually is by people who know what they're doing, you get to see more than the last five people that stalked on you. You get to see the last 90 days worth of stalkers, and that can be a tremendous resource, especially for guys like you that are out in the public and you stand in front of audiences and and you go, oh my goodness, look at this guy who looked at my profile. I would love to chat with him. He took the first step. He looked at me. Boom, I'm going to send a connection request. So who's viewed your profile? Probably the number one reason people should be on premium. No kidding. It's that insightful. It's that powerful. Well, think about it. Well, they I, took I have the first thought about step, it. Right? I, quite frankly, I have thought about it. And I really don't care if Carol and 
Schmitz from a company up in But what Norfolk. if it's a potential client? I know, but for the most part, it doesn't seem... Uh, it, you're they, not looking at it enough. Maybe not. Maybe not. Well, I don't pay for premium. I don't That's personally. That's okay. Yeah. As long as you can stay on top of the five views, the last five, if you can't, in other words, if you get 15 views a day, yeah. then you got a problem because you're too busy to look at that thing three times a day to get to get all 15 covered. That's why I finally started paying because I had my wife trained to look at my Who's Viewed Your Profile all day long and she finally said, this is driving me crazy. I understand for 20 bucks you can look at the last 90 days worth. Here's your 20 bucks. She gave me a $20 oh, bill. Oh, really? $20 more at you can get time a you full? Could. Oh, but not but, anymore. But, well, at 30 bucks, which is the very cheapest premium right. for job seekers, yep. you can get 90 days worth. Okay. That's a great one. Number two, yes. here's the second reason people should consider moving up to a premium membership. They do enough searches that they're stopping you from doing searches each right. calendar month. And that's what my sales manager was running into. It would say, you've reached your search Commercial criteria for this amount a month. And he'd be like, I, 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 I don't know what to do anymore. And I'm like, well, yeah, head against that's the glass. The forehead. Right, the forehead against the glass. Yeah. So I'm like, man, this is such a powerful database he needs more than anybody to have all the resources at his fingertips and to be fully searching for those companies. Great idea. So the best value out there for a salesperson's position would be what? Sales navigator professional. Sales navigator the, professional. The, the cheapest sales navigator, okay. if it's a onesie shop or okay. a twosie, threesie shop, yep. if it gets to be a huge organization, then you have to move to sales navigator, either team or enterprise, Okay, because there's some good management tools when you get that many people on it. You can transfer from one salesperson to another because somebody quits, that kind of thing. Okay, But sales navigator professional, and that's what I'm on, is a rocket ship. Okay. So I think we've covered that premium account and the benefits we can get from it. Again, I'm trying to make this as rapid fire as possible. Multiple tagging. I know we talked about it on the last episode, but it really is offensive to me when somebody's trying to bastardize themselves on my connections by tagging me in their things because they know I have 5,000 plus connections on LinkedIn and they know if they tag me that it's going to go up on all my newsfeed. Jim, how those do we are work such strong words? But how do we work around that? I mean, I tried this. to unconnect these people, and then I thought, well, maybe that's not the right strategy to do it. Let's talk about this a little bit more. I don't want to offend anybody, but I don't think it's fair, and I sometimes think it's offensive that people tag me in their posts just because they know I have five thousand plus connections. That's a legitimate. I get offended by that as well. Good. The fact Thank you. that they've done that. I'm not alone. They didn't. They did that for one strategy one that strategy. serves them purpose yep. and they didn't ask you, that's wrong. It's just dead nuts wrong. So what can you do? What can I do? You can untag you in that post. If you go up to the three dots in the corner, okay, you can untag you, which will be interesting because if they go back into that post, they'll see all these blue names and in and the middle of it black. is you and I'll go, what the heck? Jim untagged me. Now, mm -hmm. if they're smart enough, they'll go, I guess he doesn't want to be tagged in the future. Mm -hmm. Now, if he tags you again, I'd be sending a message and say, listen, I know why you're doing it. I understand your strategy. I don't want to disconnect with you, but I will. But please don't use me in future tags without my permission. Good. And that's appropriate. That's appropriate. I agree. Okay. Next one is, here's the scenario. I get a connection from somebody I don't know. It's John Smith in Lincoln, Nebraska, and he happens to be in manufacturing. Or I don't know. It's a little vague on what I see on his profile. I say yes, and then I start counting. One, one thousand, two, one thousand, three, one thousand. Within thirty seconds, I get a DM 
from them in my inbox and they're trying to sell me something. Another one that is completely offensive to me, those people, I am so tired of getting those type of DMs from people that I make that connection with. And then the next thing I get in my LinkedIn inbox is they're trying to sell to me. Yeah, but isn't that what your sales manager is doing the same thing? I don't think so. I don't think the strategy is the same. Okay. But go ahead. So can we talk about that? When people do that to me, I disconnect in a minute. Oh, okay. You see, very interesting. You just unconnect them right away. Because you're offended that they took the connection and you accepted their connection and they're trying to sell something to you. Is it because they didn't provide any value or any kind of camaraderie with you beforehand? Yeah, they didn't mention that Jason said we should chat. They didn't mention that I've got an event coming up, won't consider you for this. They didn't do anything other than boom, boom, boom. And they probably are using an automation tool to do that. Well, we should talk a little bit. This is this is LinkedIn 2.0. How are those automation well, tools working? So these automation tools, unless you purchase it directly from LinkedIn. Oh, it's direct from LinkedIn. Well, only, it's not a third party. only one automation tool comes from LinkedIn in the area where you and I are speaking of. Okay. You can buy a bulk purchase of in-mails yeah, let's to your target audience. Okay. Pricey, super duper duper pricey. What's like, the ROI? Well, you're getting a message into somebody's inbox. It's your target audience. Yeah, but I could connect with them. That's right. And then if they accept my connection, then I can send them that DM. So my strategy is just what you said. I would never suggest to a client to buy a bulk purchase of in-mails. Use the connection works. But understand, what we're saying that other guy did is exactly what you said you're going to do. Right, right. Right? Yeah. Now, you're hopefully going to do it more professionally over time and share some information first and blah, blah, blah. So the bottom line is on that, that is a great strategy. Mm -hmm. But these automation tools that have popped up outside of LinkedIn are all, for the most part, illegal. They are against the LinkedIn user agreement. And when people come to me all the time, these vendors that sell this stuff, hey, Wayne, we've got this tool. You're a LinkedIn guy. We want you to stand in front of everybody. We'll pay a commission to say how cool it is. Because they know that I'm in front of audiences, right? If Wayne says it, oh, I'll sign up for this thing. I ask the question, I read paragraph blah, blah, blah. I think you're in violation of the user agreement. Can you show me in writing how oh you're not? God. Oh, we're fine. <laughs> Guess what? We're fine goes out of business 60 days later because LinkedIn shut down enough of their clients. And that's the problem, Jim. Well, you don't want them to shut you down so either. That's the problem, Jim. They're not going to shut the company down. They're going to shut you down. Right. Now, hopefully they're going to warn you. That's what usually happens. You, you get, get one a, you, slap on the hand. You get a 24 or a 48-hour warning. We notice you're using an automation technique. Mm-hmm. We're not in this game. Please take it down. Very and if you don't, believe me, they will take you down, and then you're in big trouble. Interesting. The next question I have for you, Wayne, is articles. Now, we talked offline before we hit the record button today about years ago, I don't know, even know how long ago it was. It was it was really impactful to put like a short article up under your profile. What I used to do is I used to do case studies for my business at Car Machine and Tool. I used to copy and paste case studies as an article on my LinkedIn profile. And every time I cut and pasted an article into my profile, every single connection of mine would get a notification saying that Jim Carr just posted an article and I'd have people looking at it. What has changed in LinkedIn, why they don't do that, and why aren't articles as profound as they used to be? I can't always answer why, because I'm not LinkedIn, but my speculation is this. They were starving for content 
back in those days. Mm. They were looking for long form articles yep. that were going to be housed on their site. Got it. And what better way to do it and say, and even if you do it, and when you do this, if you take the time to write a two or three or four paragraph article, which is hard work for all of us to do that, then we're going to make sure that your network gets notified. And it was beautiful. It was it beautiful. Worked. It worked it really worked. well. Well, guess what? Everybody and his uncle did that. And all of a sudden the feeds are notifications. Oh, I'm getting notified for everything. Oh. And some people were starting to not post full articles. You know what they did? Here's a sentence to my latest blog post. Click here. Oh, is that right? I, I do remember that. Yeah. And, and it would get the notification and it would click people through to websites. And LinkedIn says, hold the phone. This is not what the purpose is. We don't have the AI to pick up on that. That full link article is different than a link or yep. one paragraph. Yep. So they have downgraded the notification process behind articles to the point where they're almost non-existent now. Now, is that still, it's still a great technique. Here's why. I visit Jim Carr's profile for the first time. I heard you speak. I hear you're an expert. I listen to Making Chips. I'm going to check this guy out and see what kind of, what's his writing like? And I go down to your profile and I open up your articles and I start reading them. Having a nice inventory of articles sitting on your profile to show your credibility when I'm visiting is still a good thing mm, to do. Very interesting. I would not have thought that. Nick, you were yeah, going to say something. I started to ask that question in the last episode. We decided it was a little too advanced for the first one. But I noticed you have a blog. And you've got a lot of articles on there. Do you take every single article from your blog and publish it on LinkedIn? Because with Making Chips, we publish four pieces a week now. Should all three of us be publishing each of those pieces, the podcast, the chip-in contribution, the original article, the curated news? Should we be publishing all of that on our personal LinkedIn profile? So the answer is mostly. What I wouldn't do was if, if Jason wrote an original article, then you shouldn't put that in your articles, Nick. Because the assumption is the article comes from the person whose face is on that page. Right. Now, if you all are involved in the podcast, I think that's fair game, right? You're all involved in the podcast. Now, there's no, there's no police that are going to stop you, but that's the assumption. Articles are original content from me. Yep. But I think it's a great strategy because it's just another spot where after you go through all this hard work of blogging and writing articles, why not give it to the audience of the people? Some notifications will go out. So what you'll need to do, Jim, and here's what I've started to do. I post it. It gets a little bit of something because there are a few notifications that go out. It gets a little velocity. A little bit of velocity, but then I will do reshares. What do you mean by I'll reshare What's that a article? With? Well, with my network. Okay. I'll go actually right in there. Or how about this one? How about going in to hit the share button on that article where then you have a choice that says into the feed or direct message? What would you do? Well, you might do both. You might do the feed again because you haven't done it for a month and it's still a great article. Uh -huh. And you might go into direct message and go, I got these four people that I talked to this week that that article would be killer for them. I'm going to direct message them with a link to this article and say, it was so nice meeting your team this, this week. This article just resonated with your problem that you have at your company. Just check it out. I thought I'd share it with you because you came top of mind to me and it gets in those four inboxes. And guess what? They're going to read that because it's in their inbox or they're going to at least delete it. You, you cause an action step. So this is awesome advice, but how do you keep track of all this? How do you organize the schedule if you're going to be resharing all the articles? I'd like to tell you I have this great scheduling system other than it's Wayne Breitbarth wakes up one, <laughs> one morning and says, you know what, this article didn't get enough traction. 
it was too good to get four likes and two yes, comments. Yes, This yes. makes me mad, and I'm going to do something I'm about mad. it. I'm yeah. mad, yeah. And then I'll just use the share button again. I get very disenchanted when I put a post out there, and it only gets a little bit of horsepower behind it, and I only get 10 likes. I'm really excited, though. When I go over 200 likes and 35 comments of engagement, I get very excited because my next bullet point is views or impressions. So those particular likes and comments result in a little notification on LinkedIn that says, this particular post has had 12,265 views. That is an impression. Can you tell us a little bit about what that views means? I hate to burst your bubble on that one. I would tell me views. You, are, you're not going to burst my bubble. Tracking I'm, views and being excited about views is forget it. Why? Well, because you know what a view is? It's an impression. Oh, yeah. It's not even an impression, Jim. Okay. It's a swoop by when I was scrolling through my feed just as fast as my computer will let me. Okay. You were in the feed. Okay. So the thing to track to really feel good about are the things we can track. A comment, they'll tell you who made it. A like will tell you who, who did liked it, it. Yep. And a share will show you who shared. You bet. Those are trackable. Now, now, will they run in the same kind of level of good or bad? Probably. Well, the share is going to be the most powerful out of all of them. And here's because what's it's, they're giving credibility to what your This post is so valuable that yep. somebody else okay. wrote, yep. I need to share Jason, it with my I'm people. I'm so glad you brought that up because it was just this morning that an insiders group that I'm in of other LinkedIn people, a handful of us that sort of share stuff with each other, Here's the deal. Shares don't work as well on LinkedIn as a comment. No kidding. Oh, really? Okay, okay. And a guy did a test. He tested several of his things, right? And that's counterintuitive, isn't it? It sure it's is. It's totally counterintuitive, but that's how the algorithms built these days. So the comments are the creme de la creme of LinkedIn yeah. juice. And as you long as you're going to So like comment. Jim should be making comments on me and I should be making comments on him and Nick should back be making and forth, comments. And yeah. you, we should be tagging each and other. Yeah. Every- yeah. So the key is if you're going to go and do a comment, hit the like, cause that's an interaction. Yep. Then in the comment, that's another interaction, just any words in there. But then if you tag within the comments, yep. That's Businesses, another, people. That's another interaction. And then you guys should then swoop back in and say something about the comment. And that's another interaction, yep. another like, and it's just counting and counting and counting. And yep. it's going to do some. Wait, when I make a comment or when Jim makes a comment on mine, do we need to write something insightful on it? Or do I need to just say, Jim, that was, I had a great time with you at that event as well. Yeah, or do I need to say, Jim, I learned X, Y, Z at that event. And that's the reason that I went. Well, that'll there. be better, Jason. Okay. For sure. And maybe. Maybe even you shared a podcast. Maybe you say, hey, Jim, I learned this at the event. Boy, didn't it remind you of the time we had Wayne Breitbarth on our podcast? Here's the link for those who may have missed that. Here's our podcast link. Should we be sharing the podcast on the Making Chips LinkedIn or like publishing it on the Making Chips LinkedIn and then sharing from there with our original so here's what, yeah, that's, a, that's a good so, way to yeah, go about strategy. So here's what LinkedIn tells us about that. The same content that gets posted on a company page versus an individual, the individual interactions will be four times as good as that company page. I figured that. That's what I've that's company what I've always pages thought. are sort of dead meat these days. Yep. And guess why? What happened four years ago with company pages and updates? Oh yeah, they cost money. We could then start spending money promoting company status updates. Oh, advertising so think dollars. About it. We're all business oh, folks here. Yeah. If LinkedIn came to us and said we've added a premium thing where you can now 
write me a check, yep. and I will make sure your yep. company updates get in yep. per certain people's feeds. But they said, and by the way, we're going to still let you still get to your followers for free. What business person is going to go, well, you're never going to sell any of that? Yeah. So what they did was they toned back just to almost a standstill the notifications that go out about company page updates because they want you to write them a check to basically boost it. We can't spend any money on any personal posts, so there's nothing that LinkedIn has a problem with. Someday they might, and then guess what's going to happen to all their personal posts? They're going to slow them down because it's their business model. Does it pay to give LinkedIn money for those company it posts? It is so expensive. Yeah. Like in I this hear. range, three to five bucks a click. I'll forget it. Forget Most it. business owners aren't into that. No. You know who p- spends money on LinkedIn? Recruiters. Company? No. Well, they do for sure. But when it comes to these paid updates, look through your feed of who's promoting. It's huge companies. It's companies that used to spend $5 million a year on television. Yeah. And now they go, we might as well put a quarter of a million to LinkedIn. Yeah. Quarter of a million to LinkedIn. That, that's where you get their attention. A quarter of a million dollar budget a year with LinkedIn. Well, that's not us. That's so, not me. So if you were making chips, we're a small startup and we don't have a quarter million dollars to spend on anything. If you were us, how would you use our company page? I would still post those episodes because you still have visitors. People can visit from your profile, click on making chips, go to the company page. You'll still have random, not random, but purposeful visitors. Right. Have the content there. But don't sit around and expect it's going to take you to the promised land. It's you guys posting usually on your own. Yep. You got 3,000, you got 4,000, you got 2,000. I got 5,000. Yeah, add that up. Let's say it's 10,000 between the three of you. Yeah. How many followers you have in a company page? 65? Oh, yeah, it's not much at all. It's Forget very it. low. We have like 500. Okay, yeah. so even at 500, if they give it to 10% of the people, it's 50. Your networks are huge. Right. And hopefully huge with the right people. Right. Should so we- do, doing both, Nick, is the right answer, but don't put a lot of time and effort into that company page part of it. If it's sort of a tag along, I'm doing it so that... What about for recruiting? We're growing pretty fast right now, and we're looking for new talent all the time. Should we be doing that primarily from our company page? Same answer. Four times more activity over yep. here. Yep. So we just want to make sure that the... You want more eyeballs. Opening, you know, more, I mean, that's what it more comes, is more. comes to. More, I, more. I always say more is more. Now, the one thing I would say about recruiting using company pages is this. If recruiting is an important thing for your company, it's a high priority, then make sure you use the pin. The you, what? You can pin one update on your feed of your company page that stays at the top. And oh, yes. Yes, I've seen that before. And use that pin for something like this. Show your open positions or something. Making chips job of the week. Yeah. Yep. I'd repost it every week and call it a new job of the week, but then I click to the page where all your openings are. But just refresh it every week because it does have a chance to get out. But then here's what LinkedIn shared with us a few years ago. The visitors of your company page, what's their objective for the company page? Most of the people want to work for you. So you got to give them the work stuff at the top. Mm -hmm. Should I be making a post on LinkedIn every day? So should one day I I put a link to a manufacturing news article, the next day I do some original content, the next day I do a video, the next day I do just a little like insightful message. I don't Um, like insightful messages. I guess my point Uh, is, should I be doing those things? Should I be setting aside a little bit of time every day to do those things in order to keep bringing my feed refreshed up in in the LinkedIn feed? And your network's how big? I have like two to 3,000 followers. Okay. Connections. Connections. Okay. Yeah, it says followers and, and there. It, and is your network made up of mostly or, or good share 
target audience. Yeah, they're all people in the manufacturing. Then I think industry. it's a good strategy. Now yeah. I'm I'm with you on the insightful. Yeah, like those little what do they call those quotes? What I was thinking is that I could quote something from a making chips episode. You oh, know, even something okay. from you, Wayne. That's okay, Jason. It's yeah. vascular. No, no, that's yeah. that's. If different. it was if it was a quote from Jim, it would be cheesy. But Wayne, if I quoted you, it, it would probably be very insightful. <laughs> no, so, you, so you don't think that that's that's a good strategy? I think the quote is okay. I think people scroll by the quotes because there's not. It's just a quote. It reminds me of Facebook a little bit. Maybe it's yeah. my Facebook problem with that. Yeah. I think the other two things you mentioned videos have a lot of value. Okay, and the so articles for the manufacturing stuff, great value. Okay. Let's let's get into the videos because Wait, I think can, that that's I, a big that's I was a big ask topic. That ask because we're we're, we're kind of yeah. getting at, at our time. There's two things that I feel very passionate. Well, one thing for sure that I feel very passionate about. When I create a post on LinkedIn, it has to have a very impactful visual picture because as people are scrolling through their newsfeed, their eye, you have a millisecond to have them attracted to your article. They're not going to read the text. They're going to see that picture. And if the picture is powerful and impactful, their eyes going to see it. They're going to stop and they're going to read the first few pieces of text. And then if it's even more impactful, they're going to like it or comment on it. So yes, yes. impactful picture. Now, what about video? How much more impactful is that video content, and how do we do that? So the current algorithm really gives high priority to video that's loaded up onto LinkedIn or done right from LinkedIn. So you're talking about original content for LinkedIn. Not sending people to another page to view a video. That's not that's going nowhere because you're taking people off the site. So at least currently configured, just look at your feed. You will see so many. Oh, so many videos at autoplay. That at autoplay, but think about it. They're given priority to video in the feed and the algorithm. So know that that's important in LinkedIn. And if you want the most views and comments, I would say loaded up video or video done right on LinkedIn is going to do the best. What should we be talking about in our videos? Uh, I see a lot of things yeah. like come up in my videos that are just a big waste of time. Hey, I'm in Florida and it's sunny outside and it just reminds me that- Well, that's for that, Facebook. That's not for no, LinkedIn. No, there's a lot of lot of that kind of junk on LinkedIn. I too. know, but those people, I actually, when I see people I that are having pizza yeah. at the pizza parlor on LinkedIn, I disconnect with them yeah. because that's not the platform that LinkedIn is so all Jason, about. So Jason, it's easy. What are the questions that people are asking these days? right? What are the pain points? Right. What are the confusion points? Yep. What are the things that you guys have some answers that they may not have? Right. Those are what you post. Those are what you share. Very good. Well, Wayne, we certainly appreciate you taking your valuable time and spending it with us today and giving some insight into all of us and the entire metalworking nation that's out there. And hopefully we can regroup in the coming months and talk about how our connections have been, our visibility, and how our LinkedIn profiles have just moved up and evolved over the yeah, time. Yeah, now that I, I talked about this on the last LinkedIn episode, but now that I've deleted Facebook and I'm really going to just focus on LinkedIn and just forget about all the other distractions, and I'm going to try to make a full effort to really utilizing LinkedIn how it should be and bringing together a community and, and utilizing that database because we need people at my companies and we need to get the message out about what we're doing. And LinkedIn is a great platform to be able to do that. And if the people like this episode, what should they do? If the metalworking nation out there that's listening to this episode right now and they're like, God, these guys are great. I just love them. What should they do, Jason? They should grab their iPhone. Okay. And I don't have an iPhone. I'm sorry. I'm an Android guy. 
So whatever that podcast catcher that they have, and you should rate and review Making Chips, the best place to go would be on iTunes. It has the most visibility. It does. And just give us a five star. Tell us who you like better, Jim or Jason, and just tell us what you want to hear from Making Chips. We already did this once during IMTS, if you remember, Jim, and the answer was a very clear Jason. I know, but I think you were handing out $5 bills to people. Well, it doesn't matter how you get the results. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Wayne was just here telling us how to get organic results from your LinkedIn profile. So not paying. He just advised not paying to get results. So what I would suggest is go to makingchips.com slash LinkedIn and you can get all the links to this episode. And you can also get links to Wayne and you can read his book, The Power Formula for LinkedIn Success. Yeah, he'd be happy to help you guys amp up your LinkedIn yeah, profile. You can use just LinkedIn to make a little bit of money. Reach out to you're him. not making chips, you're not making money. Bam. Bam. Thanks for listening to the Making Chips podcast. Jim and Jason knew that the metalworking nation, the community of world-class makers, needed to commit to a new way of leading to stay ahead of the competition. So, Making Chips was created to fill that void, to give you advice from other manufacturing leaders who can push you to take action. Your manufacturing challenges have a solution. And many of them are at makingchips.com. Yeah, so what's new in um, making chips? That's the end of the weather segment. So 